0: Community sharing with us this morning. Give me a big hand. <clears throat> Thanks very much. You are my wife's favorite, Matt, and she'd be happy with me going on record and saying that. Good morning, everybody. Um, it's been lovely to see some familiar faces and meet some new people this morning. Um, I was involved, oh, uh, well, that's way too high now. Okay, I should've just left it on the ground there. We'll get there. I was involved here at Olive Tree from 2008 to 2016, and then my wife and I, we went to Cape Town for five years to the second best city in South Africa. Yeah. Right I didn't say Devon was the best, but it is. Um, and then uh, we've been up at Olive Tree Clue for two years now, and um, it's just great to get to come and share with you. And I thought I'd start with, um, so if you're visiting this morning, you may not know that Olive Tree actually meets in three places. And the reason for that is we just believe that the best way to pastor a city and reach people and do what Jesus has asked us to do is to have lots of great healthy churches in every suburb, accessible and close to people where they live, where they have their lives. And so Olive Tree's not the only church doing that. We support a lot of fantastic other churches, but whenever there's a, an opportunity, we um, wanna put a church in a suburb. So we've got up in clue we've got an Amshloti, but you, um, if you've been around a while, you may be sensing that one day if there was to be an Olive Tree Westfall or an Olive Tree Glenwood or Glenano or an Olive Tree Newlands or an Olive Tree Ananda, maybe God's going to nudge you and call you to be a part of it because that might be the best way for you to live out what he's got for you in a neighborhood where you've been called to. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of feedback and encouragement about what's happening in Kloof and Amshoti, and then invite you to pray for us and for them. Is that right? Because we want church. So we'd love you to be praying for us. We pray for you guys regularly. I'm, uh, I know that Ross is your leader, so you need lots and lots of prayer and covering to help you out. But um, so this morning... Uh, Sia from here is preaching up at Kloof. Um, Justin from here is leading worship and I'm Shloty. I got to preach there last week and they currently, they're in a venue challenge. They're meeting in a restaurant that's not their own space, but it's so beautiful how God in every season and every chapter uses where you are just to do something beautiful. So I walked up the stairs to uh, the restaurant and I'm Shloty last week um, to go be a part of it and there's a whole lot of people setting up and getting ready and I say how's it? to a few of them and one is this youngster who's there early, so I just assume that he's on the setup team or something. It turns out um, he's out uh, from out of town visiting his brother Um, Inam Shoti, he's downstairs buying a Coke at Hopper 7 in the morning, downstairs below the restaurant. Only one reason you get a Coke on a Sunday morning, right? At 7.30 in the morning, I'm guessing. And he hears this music and he feels stirred. Like he feels like, I wanna go upstairs and see what's going on. He goes upstairs and I think the story is, because other people were praying for him and ministering to him, hasn't been at church in a while, came, got incredibly ministered to, met people, got their numbers, and this young guy had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus' people because he was buying a Coke underneath a restaurant where Olive Tree happens to be meeting. Yeah, it's cool, right? Eh? Um, I've got a few more stories, so hold your claps to the end. Uh, the, the people who were singing, um, the husband and wife, they were uh, worship leading for the first time because often when you're in a newish thing, um, you get called to step up and do something. So they were a little bit nervous, but they'd done like open mark stuff uh, before. So they're like, hey, there's a gap, you need people, we'll step up. And so this husband and wife were leading worship and they were the ones singing when this youngster heard the music. But they also own an Airbnb in Amshloti because it's such a sought after suburb for overseas people. And they've had an English couple staying in the Airbnb who've never really gone to church and only really know like sort of Anglican religion from the UK. And they've been chatting to them and they invited them and those two sat in the second row and listened to the gospel and got ministered to and connected into what Jesus is doing. Isn't that beautiful? Right, how cool what God's doing in Amshloti. Okay, so that's a couple stories there. Pray for them for a new venue, but pray that this venue would just be maximized to reach people and love people and uh, pass to that community. They believe they're gonna get a space in the village of community, not outside because do you know that it's one of the few suburbs in KZN with no church buildings? Shoti has no church building. So imagine God was to open up his hands and that presence of his, that's an open doorway, was to just bless us with some ground there. So please pray for them, for Brad and Christy, the amazing couple who lead that church and do other jobs and all the people around them because God is using them so beautifully. And people are putting up their hands and leading worship and God is using them. So well done to those guys. Up in Kloof, two quick stories. There's so many we could tell you, but. Um, Again, we try to encourage people, find your space, find your contribution. What has God asked you to do? And just this last week, um, two individual stories of how God has used people in the area of the gospel leading to employment. How many of us know that we have to be, as a church, helping the poor, the widow, and the orphan? So one day when we get to heaven, God's gonna say to two groups of people, what did you do with the poor and the unemployed, the widow, and the orphan? He's gonna ask governments who's been elected. There will be accountability, but he's also gonna ask the church, right? What did you do? With the poor that were at your door, with the widows that are sent to your community, with the orphan and the foreigner who are sent your way, because you're meant to be a house. Of redemption, so he's going to ask us that. So we've got a lady in our community. Uh, we're not a big church, but this lady has just got incredible reach into the valleys around the Upper Highway. So she's transformative in her business talking, in her in her civic life, and then she's like a, a missionary all the time down into these valleys. And she takes her little blonde hair, blue-eyed kids down into the valleys and just goes for it. Goes and preaches the gospel, loves people, reaches people, and she's been so stirred to do something about this. So this week they put their first hundred people, first hundred graduates through an unemployment job readiness program. A hundred people, where they're now on a database with their CVs, with their experience, they've been vetted well, and a few of them have already got jobs through that experience, because this lady has gone, God, you've given me this influence, so help me. So she's invited employers, she's invited Excel people, and said, come and let's do it. And on the macro, we're gonna see things changing up there in the upper highway. And on another level, so that's one lady who feels like she's got this massive reach and influence. A guy about two years ago, He said, I feel like he he runs a life group and he's very involved, him and his family in our church. But he went, I don't want anyone to know that we're doing this, but I just feel like we need to make nutritious food for the people who are walking across the front of our new building here because there's a government clinic there, there's a construction site, there's a petrol station, and a lot of these people are not having good nutritious meals. And often, there's moms and brand new babies or pregnant moms in the queue to the clinic. So a couple times a week, they just started making nutritious food, taking it down to these people early in the morning as they were queuing, praying for them and starting to go, God, what have you asked me to do? Well, I can make fresh soup. Two years later, there's now about 20 people who either make the food or distribute the food or serve the food, pray for people. And it's opened up doors into this clinic to us for us to pray for the people who are there, pray for the sisters, be good neighbors to those who are literally across the road. But what was so cool is a few weeks ago, one of the guys who was working on that construction site, Moses, lost his work and since between then and now, he's been doing some piecemeal work for us up at Kloof, but We didn't have anything to offer him, but an opportunity opened up here and he is now full-time employed as a facilities person looking after Olive Tree, Florida Road, through one, one guy making soup and doing something and now 20 people are doing that. Isn't it cool what Jesus does? Amen. When you lead worship and put your hand up, when you open your home, when you say I've got influence for hundreds of people or when you go, I've, I can make 50 cups of soup, I can do that. Is that all right? Cool. Okay, let's pray. Yeah. God, you are so enjoyable, you are so available, you love to meet with us and you love to speak with us and we just sub ourselves under your word this morning, God. Your word is above us, your ideas, as Matt said, are above us, your solutions are above us and so we bring our hearts and stresses and worries and successes and ideas to you and just sub them under the power of your word this morning, Christ, amen. Amen. We're uh, enjoying God, it's a cool series, hey? Have you been enjoying the Enjoying God series? I hope so. Um, I'm gonna read from Psalm 60 the Joy Psalm and then we'll pick up from there this morning. Don't panic that it's far past nine already. It's not a long message this morning. <laughs> Couple of amens there. <laughs> the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines of my life have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, my heart also instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. The whole world around you can be shaken, but your heart can be glad, your being can rejoice, and your flesh can dwell and sleep secure. You, God, make known to me the path of life, in your presence there is the fullness of joy to be enjoyed and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is God's word to us this morning. Um, if you haven't been tracking along, we just the first thing that we wanna be known for as a church is we believe God is a God to be enjoyed that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know where that comes from? A bunch of people in the Dark Ages with the plague ravaging about a third of the world's population. The leaders and the churches got together and they debated for 10 years like only English theologians can. And they came up with a long catechism, a statement of belief, and a short one. And the short one is the chief end of man, the ultimate thing that you and I are here for is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Good news is you don't have to debate for 10 years, I'm only gonna preach for about seven hours and then we'll be saying, enjoy God forever. A little story that some of you will know. So in 2007, in a train station in Washington, D.C., a very busy city, politically, people on their way to work and school and uni and a whole lot of things that they're doing, a fairly normal looking man stands in the corner of the station, Uh, he opens his violin case, he's got a black baseball cap on, and he takes out his violin and he plays for 45 minutes a bunch of Schubert and a bunch of Bach, these classic beautiful songs. And in that time, 45 minutes about, because they got hidden cameras, about 1,100 people walk past him, and out of that 1,100 people, seven stop to listen. Uh, Another 20 or so drop some coins into his violin case and he ends up with 32 US dollars, or in today's terms, about 24,000 rand. What you may not know is that man standing there, do you know the story? Busking's not a new thing, the busy city is not a new thing, but his name is Joshua Bell, one of the top one or two violinists in the world, who the very next night would be playing in Washington DC for tickets ranging between 50 and 500 US dollars, where people were getting dressed in their best, going and eating lovely food, going to this venue, sitting and immersing themselves in the exact same 45 minute set that he was playing his violin that he would be playing would cost at that time about $14 million. $32 got stopped, seven people paused. Now, there's a good reason, right? I mean, it's, it's rush hour. Like, people aren't there for a concert. There's probably lots of buskers every day. They're probably on their way to something really important, like a work meeting that they can't be late for or school or uni. So there's a good reason to be rushing past and not dialed in. Or maybe they aren't that much of a, in a, that much of a rush, but maybe violence just not their thing. Like maybe they're not really into Bach, maybe they're more into the Bach Street Boys in their iPod, um, so they're rushing past. But whatever the reason, isn't that maybe the point? Is I wonder how many of them, if they'd known who he was and what he was playing and how much his ticket sold for, I wonder how many more of them would've stopped and enjoyed what was going on, and dialed in and tuned in to this magnificent thing that was happening. Because a bunch of them would have actually gone the next night and go, hang on, this sounds familiar. They would have paid maybe $200 to put on their best and go and listen to Joshua Bell play the same set they could have heard for free the experience, I think, would have been completely different for them. The same set, the same violin, the same person, the same songs, but if they had put themselves in the position to be in the right environment to enjoy it, if they had got dressed up and focused in and tuned their ears to it and go, let's go spend our money and take our time to go immerse ourselves in the, the man who's at the top of his craft playing these incredible songs, I reckon their experience then would have been amazing, but I also think the experience on the way to work and the way to school would have been different, right? because their ears would have been tuned into this enjoyable tune that they had become familiar with. And so I wanna ask this morning quite practically, if God is enjoyable and if He's knowable and if He invites us to say, come and enjoy the fullness of joy in my presence with delight forevermore and wonderful boundary lines, how do we buy tickets to that enjoyment show? How do we get dressed up and put ourselves in a position to enjoy Him as much as possible? Because I think if you talk to most people who know Jesus and follow Him, and go, what do you think about God? I don't know, a lot of us are going, the first thing, the first thing that I do is I just enjoy God, right? But that's the invitation this morning, so how do we actually go about and buy those tickets and put ourselves in the environment so that when rush hour comes, because rush hour is coming, right? There's things that God's called us to do. There's work to do. There's family responsibility. There's stuff we gotta go do. But man, when our ears are tuned in to what God is doing and what he's saying and where he's moving, the enjoyment factor, if we book those times out, we will be so much more familiar with the way he speaks and the way he coaches us. And let me just say that this invitation to enjoying God I believe is possible in every single season of your life. So we sang about it this morning, whether you're in the, on the mountaintop or the lush field or in the desert or in the floodplain right now, the invitation to joy is there for every season of our life. And I know that there'll be a bunch of people sitting here this morning going, yeah, joy is very possible, it's logical at the moment, but there'll be a bunch of others who are in grief or heartbreak or something where logically it doesn't feel like joy and enjoyment are available. But I want you to know that this invitation is still for you in that season of your life. Psalm 51, David, the wonderful worship leader and follower of God, man of God says this, God, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? Would you sustain me with your spirit? Why does David need to pray for his joy to be restored to him? Because it's very possible that in seasons of life it feels like it's been taken away, right? But you can pray for it. God, restore your joy to me, sustain me with your spirit. Well, how about James um, writing in the amplified version from James chapter one? Olive tree, floral road. Consider it nothing but joy, pure joy. What, we sh- what should we consider joy when we've won the lotto and everything's going our way and the electricity's on and the water's flowing from the pups? No, <laughs> whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through the experience you're in now produces endurance leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Trials and tribulations can lead to peace and joy. How on earth? Let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. If you're on the mountaintop, come and enjoy me. If you're in the desert, come and enjoy me. It's possible in every season. So how do we do this? Like, How do we practically actually enjoy God if he is enjoyable? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to understand that there is a plan and we need to know what the plan is, right? Like if you spend most of your life going, this universe and world is out of control, I need to get out of here, I need to make a plan, because it just feels like everything is falling apart. If we don't know that there is a plan, anchored to a beginning and anchored to an end, the middle is very hard to navigate. So let's fly through what this plan is by looking at the names that God calls certain places in the Bible. You know that every name that someone gets given or a place gets given is really important to us understanding what's going on. So if you're new to your Bible, I'm gonna bookend us uh, with the beginning and the end, and then help us to navigate to what can be a very messy middle. So Chevy in the first week of the series would have said this. The Bible starts with a creation story that ends in a garden called the Garden of Eden, Eden which means the Garden of Joy and Delight and Pleasure. There are no fences or gates to this garden and people are able to steward what God's given them, know each other perfectly, walk with him and it's the garden of enjoyment and delight. So no matter how things are going today in your inner world or in the world around you, no matter how shaken it feels, you and I were designed to live in the garden of joy and delight and pleasure. That's God's plan. That's the thing we can anchor the beginning to. Let's jump ahead to the end. We get a picture of what eternity looks like and what heaven is going to be like forever. And it's called the city of the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem means peace and joy forever. So we start in the garden of enjoyment and delight and pleasure, and we end in the city of peace and enjoyment forevermore where lots of interesting things about that city, but one of the fascinating things is this city has no gates. It has no sun because Jesus is in the center, sustaining the joy and the peace, building his people around himself, giving us a wonderful wedding feast with a city with no gates. I'll tell you why that's important in a second. How many of us feel like we're living every day in the garden of enjoyment and delight and pleasure and we're anchored to the city of peace and joy, right? Like there's no troubles in the world around us, right? Everything's just really easy and simple to navigate in KZN in 2024. Okay, so what's going on in the messy middle? Well, there's two things we need to be aware of between those two bookends. One is the result of your and my bad decisions. There's a word that we're gonna get to now, which will help explain what's going on. And then we have an enemy who would like us to be distracted and not anchored to the beginning and the end. And so those two words are Babel and Babylon. And they sound simil- similar, but they mean different things. The Tower of Babel in Genesis is the end picture of man's goal to build away from needing God and build ourselves to the heaven to become like God ourselves. Bring the best of humanity together. We don't need Jesus, we don't need God, we don't need the Holy Spirit, we can get to God ourselves. What does the word Babel mean? It means confusion and scattering or disunity. Does that describe a little bit of the world's problems right now? Confusion to the plan, disunity and scattering because that is the consequence of us rebelling against God. And so a lot of the things we see in our lives and the world around us are a result of Babel. We've been scattered and we are confused and we are, dis, we are not in unity, we are disunified. Babylon means the city of many gods and the city of many gates. Now why that's important is Babylon is the consequence of God's people choosing against him over and over again, not living in Jerusalem according to God's way, but unfortunately going to Babel and Babel ends up in Babylon. I will give you over to your desires and the enemy will come and set up his kingdom around you. Now, how that works is if you're living in Babylon thinking, Then you gotta go, okay, flip, we want protection. We need to pray and sacrifice and work hard to the God of blue security or Mount Edgecombe gates or a safe place because that's the only way to get safe. Or we need to lay ourselves down and pray to the God who will provide to us, the little lowercase g God. And we need to go get inside his gates, his territory and cry out for protection. Or if we need to fall pregnant and we can't, we need to pray to the God of fertility. And it's this exhausting thing of going to little case g God idols who can never do what they say they're gonna do and we are trapped by their many gates. So the enemy's plan is to have much separation between his fake gods and you, so you feel like you are trapped. Our mistakes, our sin, lead to scattering and confusion and being so separate. We're created for enjoyment and pleasure and delight. We're going to peace and joy forevermore. But man, I can relate a whole lot to being scattered and feeling disconnected from the plan and confused about what's going on. I can relate to feeling like there are so many idols that I've gotta try and appease and plead to to make safety and provision and a purpose for my life, and none of them can do it. From the beginning, you are meant for joy. In the end, you will land for joy, but it helps massively to know that when we choose away from God, we bring ourselves to Babel, and it helps us to know that there's an enemy that although he is defeated and he will not win in the end, and that's very good news, It makes sense if we find ourselves hitting many gates, boundaries to what God wants to do, and going to idols over and over again because the heart, as Tim Keller said, is an idol factory. We find new ways over and over again to go and lay ourselves down and worship gods that can never satisfy. But there's good news because we're meant to enjoy God, but we have to know the plan because it helps us navigate Babel and Babylon really well. Does that make sense? Okay, so the second thought is we need to know the plan. The second thought this morning is this. We have to become better at booking tickets to the joy arena, at getting dressed up and going and spending our hard earned money and taking our time from our busy calendar to go and immerse ourselves and absorb ourselves and be completely surrounded by the beauty of what God is saying and doing so that we get so familiar with what his presence and his voice is like that when we're on our way to work in the rush hour and we hear him speak and we hear that tune, we're able to stop and dial and go, sure, I know that tune. This is the enjoyable God speaking to me. Does it make sense? So practically here, just think for a minute about what your calendar looks like. Maybe you're old school and you got the A4 book and you handwrite everything, or maybe you're like me and your calendar literally lives in your phone book and in your maps and in this little thing in your pocket. It's full, right? It's full of demands because work wants something and school wants something and the worries of this world want something and I wanna get some, uh, a, a, some annual rest, so I put that in there. Our calendars are full and our budgets are stretched. But if we don't learn to get appointments with enjoying God into our calendar, and into our budget, none of this messy middle will change. If we don't prioritize spending our best on God and enjoying Him, then I promise you you'll be in the same place in a year's time. You might just feel more busy and more strained. But there's a way to reverse this. And we can learn something by looking at God's people from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. God's people that He chooses to bless and, surround, and put in the middle and surround those people around Him. Now, I'm not for a minute suggesting that they had it better, we have it way better. The new covenant people is so much better and we'll get to that in the final point in a minute. But there's some things that we've lost along the way. Forgetting about the 10 commandments which are great and the law, written into the instructions to God's people in the Old Testament is seven feasts where God says, you will, you will, listen to me now, you will, olive tree, stop what you're doing, get dressed in your best, Bring your first fruits, spend your time and spend your money and travel and you will celebrate me together seven times a year for 32 public holidays a year. Would anyone like that this year? Would you like 32 public holidays where you cannot work and you cannot study and interestingly, you can't grieve or mourn or moan because this is the time to remember how enjoyable God is. Do you remember when he rescued us out of slavery? We were trapped and he rescued us. Do you remember when he provided for us in the middle of the desert? We didn't know where food would come from and we had enough every day. Remember how he called us into this beautiful place of safety to live where he protected us in the desert? Do you remember, grandkids, do you remember kids, how wonderful God is, how enjoyable he is? Take those 32 days a year to bring your best and eat the best food and drink the best wine and gather people around the table and tell the stories of the enjoyable God who's transformed your life. Remind each other of the miracles and the provision and celebrate who He is and what He's done. Because when you do that for 32 days a year, When you go into a season of the rush hour or when you go into a season of the desert, it is so much easier to remain resilient and steadfast and full of peace and joy because you are constantly reminding yourselves of the enjoyable God who has done it. In their calendar and in their budget was the instruction to come and enjoy me. So 32 feast public holidays a year, that's before you get to one day a week. On top of that, God says, don't work and don't grieve and don't moan And don't do anything except gather people around the table and share a meal of good food and good wine. And if there's a widow, an orphan or a foreigner who don't have community, bring them in as well and tell the stories and read the scriptures and sing the songs about how good I am and how enjoyable I am. Every week, 32 days a year, that's 84 days in our calendar. That sounds pretty good, right? If that's not enough, every seventh year, you're not allowed to work for the entire year. Anyone wanna sign up for that? Let the land rest, let your souls rest. I will give you enough in the other six years, store it up and budget cleverly and then spend yourselves on reminding that everything everything you have comes from me, that I am enjoyable, that I give rest to my people, that I want the land and you, my people, to heal. And if that's not enough, once in a generation, on the 50th year, if anyone's in debt, set them free. If anyone's a slave, they don't be slaves anymore, cut them loose. If anyone doesn't have land, give them land. If anyone's been exiled from community, welcome them back in and forgive them because I am the God who resets my people once in a generation because you need a weekly ritual, you need an annual ritual and you need a life ritual to dive into enjoying God because he's so enjoyable. But man, we've forgotten how to do this, right? So how do you get it into your calendar? How do you get the right people around the table, no moaning, around the bra, no complaining. If you're grieving, we understand that. But just for today, come and remember how good God is with the best wine we can afford and the best food. And in our calendar, it's not just annual leave and the next sharks game, in our calendar is we are going to stop what we are doing and enjoy God because we are going to hit rush hour again. And we will be in the desert one day again. And we need to anchor our souls to the plan and book some tickets to the joy arena. We need to enjoy God with our time and enjoy God with our budget. I wonder how many of us are missing these beautiful moments of wonder and awe and immersion on the rush hour to work because we haven't dialed in and booked tickets. And friends, God knows the season that you're in. We'll get to, as we wrap up in a second, we'll get to the fact that he's made a way, even in the desert, even in the pain, even in the grief, to still enjoy him. But our last thought this morning is, know the plan, book some tickets, And we get to be a new covenant people who ask God for more joy. We get to pray to Jesus through the Holy Spirit residing in us and dwelling amongst us, that if we don't have it, we can ask him for it. And this is where those old covenant people would have got mad jealous of how we live. Like, what are you talking about? You can actually have the spirit of God living in you You don't have to go to a place on a mountain to hope that the one guy who can go into his presence is gonna get forgiven this year. You've got the spirit, you know Jesus, you've got the word of his written down. You are the new covenant people. You can ask for anything in his name and you'll get it. Man, that is beautiful and we are so bad at doing this. We ask for all sorts of things but we need to be a people that ask for joy. Ask to be a people that are joyful. Ask to be a people that laugh and that celebrate more than we moan because Jesus tells us to in John 16 in his high priestly prayer to his followers and to us, he says this, now may be your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will be able to take away your joy. Until now, you've not asked for anything in Jesus' name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Jesus' final thought to his friends and to us before he goes to the cross is this, I will see you and when I see you, you will have joy that can't be taken away and if you need more, you ask it and you'll get it. It will be completed in you. We can be a people that ask for joy because the violinist is always with us, following us around, playing these tunes, giving us everything we need to dial in and enjoy him. And just note there as we land this morning that Jesus doesn't see joy and grief as enemies. He sees joy still possible in the middle of that grief season. And I wanna, I wanna land with a little coaching moment to those of you who may feel like right now the season of life is not an enjoyable one. There's no logic to the joy because I'm so in want with provision or sickness or death or separation or brokenness, whatever it may look like for you. But again, we get coached on how we can find joy. And I'm gonna wrap up with Psalm chapter five this morning by ending the Psalm and then going back to the beginning. Because look how Psalm 5 ends. Anyone who finds safety in you, God, will rejoice. If you can find your safety in God, you will rejoice and you can always sing for joy. The root word there for always in English means always. You will always be able to sing for joy. Good times, bad times, lean times, fat times, you will be able to sing for joy always. God, you protect those who love you. Because of you, they are truly happy. You bless those who obey you, Lord. Your love protects us like a shield. That's the end picture of Psalm chapter five. But look at how it starts. David says this, Listen to my words, O Lord, and hear my sighs. Not contented sighs. He's sighing because there's disappointment, disenfranchisement, there's something going on that's making David sigh. Listen to me crying to you for help. I'm sighing, and I'm crying, but I'm coming to speak to you. I'm praying to you, you God, and you will hear my voice first thing in the morning. At sunrise, I will offer you my prayers. Those of you in the tough season right now, joy is possible, protection is possible, peace is possible, and God will cover you with his love. That's the promise that we get to. But how does it start? Even in this season, God, I will come to you and I will talk to you. And if it starts with sighing because, God, I don't understand it and I don't get it and when's it gonna change? And even if it starts with crying, God, how can this be your plan? How can this be joy? How can this be peace right now? I am coming to you first thing in the morning and I'm going to speak to you. And then finally, and I will wait for your answer because God will speak to you in the pit And he'll speak to you in the prison and he'll speak to you in the desert because God's enjoyment and his presence are available to all of us at all times. Know the plan, put this thing in your calendar and in your diary and ask for joy in every season of your life. Our God is such an enjoyable God. Can we please stand together? I'm gonna wrap up in prayer this morning. i 've just had such a burden as i 've been speaking for those who feel like they are in the the season of um, of pain and desperation and lonely and i 'd love to just pray for you for a minute. Can you just um, wave your hand if that 's if that 's you this morning if you 're in that season okay there 's a whole lot of us just can you just hold out your hands like god 's about to give you a meal of the choice one and the choice food and plug you into a community because so often. The sole solution to this is actually a very practical God who comes and goes, don't forget who I am. I'm the God who feeds you and provides for you and plugs you into my people and myself. But God, where there is a season right now of grief and pain, where there's a season of lack, I thank you, Jesus, that your joy will be made complete and perfect because we have seen you and we see you and feel you right now. And because we can ask for joy and it will be completed. And so God, we're right now, it is so illogical to have joy for those of us who put our hands up, whether it's an internal thing or an external thing. God, I thank you that we can ask you for joy and that in your presence, we will find the fullness of joy. Help us to hear the Holy Spirit and to feel the Holy Spirit. Help us to speak to you first thing in the morning, early in the day, and to bring our sighing and to bring our crying and to stop and listen to you. And God, I pray that every single one of those people, when they do that tomorrow morning, 15 minutes earlier than they normally get up, I pray that they would experience you and feel you and hear your voice and that your joy will be completed in them. God, you are so lovely. You love being with us. You are so enjoyable. And we thank you for this morning in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Amen. I believe there'll be some people at the front if you need further prayer. Otherwise, please don't rush off. Stick around for some good coffee and good conversation in the coffee area. And we'll see you next week for um, the final week of Enjoying God. Thank you so much.